It's now time for Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Mike will get you into the ring with the latest boxing and MMA info, the Lobos, and much more. Now, here's Mike Adams 2.0. Presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Adams 2.0. Today, I'm live from 8 Grady's Performance Center, the home today for the elite 150-foot ball combine. Some of New Mexico's finest high school athletes are being tested to see how they compare to others throughout the country. Visit 8gradies.com. It's good to be live. I'm looking at the beautiful, majestic mountains on the east side of New Mexico right now. And I'm looking at a facility that is second to none, and you have to come out here. Now, when you walk the halls of this facility, and this isn't me telling you something, you come see it for yourself. But any major athlete, any athlete looking to perform at a high level, this is the facility that you'd want to come to. And my good friend Micah Frankel, who joins me for Factor Fiction, prior to us getting there, Micah, this facility, when we walked in, I said, my goodness, this might be the nicest facility in town. This is incredible. It's massive, but still yet you have space, you have equipment, state-of-the-art training, this beautiful outdoor area, you got the grass, the turf, the weights, you got the technology, all in one, one-stop performance training center. In the bottom of our number one, I'm going to talk to Scott Grady. You know him as a football player at the University of New Mexico. You also know him as an entrepreneur. I'm excited for that interview. But right now, Micah, it's time for Factor Fiction. We're live right now, Micah. This feels good. I'm outside. It's Factor Fiction. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Avalanche or lightning on ice? I like the avalanche, Micah, but Tampa Bay last night, I thought they were going to pack their bags. They win a gigantic Game 5 in Colorado. I didn't think they could do it. And the Stanley Cup has now become interesting. For you hockey fans, for those of you who enjoyed the New Mexico Scorpions, and there was a couple other hockey teams, the Ice Wolves, while this right now, Micah, is the Stanley Cup. I like the Avalanche in Game 6. Andre Pilat, you cannot count him out for what he did. You cannot count out the heart of a champion. Down 0-2. Now, this is improbable how the comeback will need to be for this. It will be the greatest comeback ever. But they're looking to try to become the greatest team ever. But for mine, Nashtukin on the Avalanche, has been the breakthrough player of these finals. Yeah, that's a fact. And don't forget this, Micah. Tampa Bay is going for their third Stanley Cup in a row. Well, if Tampa Bay wins the third Stanley, this is like the Patriots. This is like the Golden State Warriors, the Spurs of old. I mean, what Tampa Bay is trying to accomplish, listen, Tampa Bay, Florida, possibly three Stanleys in a row, not New York, as in Rangers or Islanders, not Edmonton, not Quebec, you're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. That would be matching the 80s Oilers, hollowed ground, Gretzky's Oilers, his heyday. Don't forget this Lightning team. They may be going for a third cup, but that year prior to winning the cup, they were eliminated in the first round as the number one overall seed. This has been a team four years through the grind. 
They're back. You know I love it. The big three. And Michael Beasley looks primed and ready to challenge Joe Johnson as straight up the best player in that league. Well, that's a fact. And I'm enjoying it, too. If anybody likes three-on-three basketball, then hoop it up. And for those of you who want hoop it up in the 80s and 90s, and when I run into and you tell me, hey, man, we took hoop it up in 2006, good for you. This is the three-on-three basketball tournament. Ice Cube has made this bigger than big, Michael. Who would have thought three-on-three basketball would get to this level? And then Joe Johnson's still knocking down jump shots. It's it's How old is Joe Johnson? Not old enough to have... Did you forget? He would have got a championship That's ring right. if the Celtics would have picked it up. Still on the hardwood. ISO Joe getting it done. Ageless wonder. He's not older than Brady. It doesn't matter. But you know who is a great, I don't want to call her an oldie, but she's already said that the future has been set. Sue Bird is retiring, and we have to admit, she has had, in a fact, one of the greatest female basketball careers of all time. Yeah, that's a fact for sure. Sue Bird is tremendous. And to me, Mike, I always felt, you know, Cheryl Miller, Nancy Lieberman-Klein. For me, Diana Taurasi is the best female basketball player. Lisa Leslie. I can go on and on. Um, But... What Sue Bird's done for the WNBA is truly, truly amazing and remarkable. She will be an iconic figure forever, Micah. And maybe get the WNBA, the logo, you know how Jerry West's the logo for the NBA, the logo of the WNBA, that'd be a great logo. Maybe we get the MVP trophy, the finals MVP trophy, the all-star game MVP trophy. Take the steps from the NBA Honor Sue Bird. And I guess I got to step outside of the fact of fiction real quick. Better point guard, Sue Bird, Don Staley. Who you got? I'm going with, you know, that's a tough one because Staley won the Olympic oh, gold. Yeah, Staley fine. played uh, at, a, at an unbelievable time, Micah. But I, I'm going to go with Sue Bird. Oh, I was going to say Don Staley. And maybe I'm just hypnotized and but uh, just in awe of the way she's eating, leading the Gamecocks. <laughs> They're possibly talking about should she have been the one to take the Hornets job that somehow became the least desirable job in the NBA? It's a tough job fact. Uh, if you're the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, that's a tough gig. Um, I thought Borrego did a tremendous job. Shout out to you, big fan of yours. I think you did a great job there. Uh, Mike D'Antoni was the next guy in line. That didn't work out. Looks like they're going with Clifford now to be the head coach of the Hornets. But is that a tough job? Yes. Number one, your boss is the greatest player to ever do it in the history of basketball. And they want championships. I think they have enough talent to get them in the second round next year. But fact, the Charlotte Hornets is a tough job. The 49ers have to move Jimmy Garoppolo before training camp. I'm going to say fact. I don't know where you move them or who's interested. I know you're going to get the rundown of the same teams we talk about all the time. Do they move Baker Mayfield before the deadline? Here's the thing, Micah. Those are two good quarterbacks that could lead a team. But they're sitting what? They're sitting there. And maybe so another team doesn't get them. I don't know what the strategy is on this particular two players, but we'll soon find out. You're probably, if you're the Niners, you don't want to trade Galapolo in division. You're not giving him a Seattle. And if you're the Panthers, you probably want Baker Mayfield higher upside there. So if you're the Niners, you're hoping that Cleveland stays pat with Baker throughout the season because we understand that other guy is leading towards a large suspension. 
So it all kind of makes sense, but but they're definitely not facts there. But a fact is, DeAndre Ayton for, for Miles Turner would have been a loss for the Suns. I, I think so, and and that's for sure. Here's the thing, Micah. The NBA draft, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the NFL draft and the NBA draft. There's pageantry. There's nice suits, right? The jewelry is unbelievable. And when they come out and say with the first pick, of the NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select Bonchero, right? People were surprised. Not me. I was hoping, Micah, and I, I knew it couldn't happen. If Luka Doncic and the Mavs could somehow get Bonchero, I think the Mavericks would be the favorite in the West. It was a fact last week. You told me you thought Holmgren, Chet Holmgren, was going to go number one. I did think that. Bonchero surprised everybody. In fact, though, Bonchero, nice suit on the night. Oh, man, that suit was nice. But also, we're talking about the draft now. It's a fact. Four of those first five teams that picked obviously increased their talent and became much better squads last night. Yeah, that's a fact, absolutely, and, and good for them. I mean, at some point, the Orlando Magic, outside of Shaq and Penny, can get to the championship at some point, right? Dwight did it. Yeah, and you root for them. You root for the Magic. They've they've had almost every number one pick you could imagine, and they still haven't won a title. Well, not as many number one picks as Cleveland. Well, and and the thing is this, Micah. When you talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron did it. When you talk about the Orlando Magic, they'll never win one. Mark it down. Well, that's a possibility. We'll see if they luck into a Luka Doncic one day or somebody like that. But fact or fiction, Joe Lacum is the best owner in the NBA. Ah, tell me why. Well, because he is the 20th richest owner in the NBA. <laughs> so we're talking about bottom third. But he's the dude that opened up his wallet the biggest, paid the most luxury tax, and got his team the title where the Bucks cheaped out on $4 million on a T.J. Warren who they wish they could get back. Or not, Tucker. Not, not everybody, Tucker. Micah, not everybody can pay the luxury tax. And for those of you playing Monopoly today at home, Yes, when you land on luxury tax, pay the bank. Remember to pay the bank when you land on luxury tax. Don't put the money in the middle of the board. I've had this conversation many a times. And for those of you who play the thimble, I applaud you because the thimble is always the last one picked. I'm just saying if 19, if 20 can do it, there's 19 other guys that should be easily able to make super teams. Better Beav is the most destructive force outside of the heavyweight division. Well, he's, he's definitely strong, Mike. It's second round knockout, unbelievable. Showed his strength. And not only that, I think he now has become a name people will be familiar with. I know they just announced Shakur Stevenson in his big fight. Um, so people were wondering what's going to happen with Shakur, what's going to happen now uh, with a lot of these boxers. But, yes, he put his name on the map for those people who didn't know him. Better BM versus Bivol is must-see now and must-make. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think Bivol is probably the most underrated superstar in boxing. Beat Canelo. Canelo and Triple G have signed on now to fight in September, which I really don't want to see. I know everybody wanted to see Triple G Canelo 3. It doesn't interest me at this point. I mean, if they would have made that fight like three years ago, okay, it interests me. Today, I want to see Bivol and Canelo again. I don't want to see Triple G and Canelo. 
I, I'm, I'm in for Bivol versus better BF. Uh, Canelo kind of got beat up a little bit in that one. I'm down for Canelo versus Charlo. That's a fight somebody his size I've always wanted to see. If we're talking Canelo, I'm sorry, hot take here real quick. I'd rather see him go back to his natural weight class and make these big fights that are possible instead of chasing these monsters and now having this David versus Goliath mentality. He is the king of boxing. But just saying. And also saying, Josh Emmett still needs another win before he gets a title shot. I I think one more, possibly two. Um, But I think he's on the path. And when you look at what's taking place, Michael, you're going to be up at Radio Row uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. You'll get an idea of who's really the number one contenders up there, right? Because you're going to be talking to all of them. At the end of the day, though, Micah, how many fights does someone have to win to be called the number one contender because it's so differential in every single weight class. We got guys who've been on eight fight win streaks, seven fight win streaks. Look at Tony Ferguson's a perfect example. How many fights did Tony Ferguson win in a row prior to getting the title shot? It's quantity or it's quality over quantity, Mike. So what it is is it's also just happened to be in the right place in the right time. And you've had that happen before, and it may happen to Josh Emmett, because here's how it plays out. I'm going to be out there, UFC 276. we got Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, the trilogy. Volkanovsky, if he wins and it becomes 3-0, then he's looking for his next challenger. At that point, July 16th, in Long Island, Yair Rodriguez is facing Brian Ortega. Yair wins. He's probably the challenger for Volkanovsky. If Brian wins, even though he's excited, he did get the brakes beat off him by Volkanovsky. Insert Josh Emmett in Australia versus Volkanovsky. So he's kind of that third string running back, just waiting to see how everything plays out. Try to tie it into us being here at the Elite 150 today. And and shout out Volkanovsky. He's been a he's been on the show. Shout out to you. Good luck. If you catch him next week, Micah, give him my best. UFC Fight Night Austin was one of the most exciting cards in UFC history. I don't know about history. It was exciting. I thought there was good matches. I think here's the other thing, Mike. I think they're getting better, right? It's like there's so many of them. Bellator last night, Fight Night last week. There's just a lot of fights on. So um, it's good to see good quality action, which I think we take for granted because we're looking for it every single week. We want this. We just want action. The minute a fight starts, nobody can even, you know, take 30 seconds to, to kind of get an idea of where they're at in the cage. No, they, we want boom right away. The number is eight, Mike. Eight finishes at UFC Austin, and that ties a all-time UFC record for one event. So I'm telling you, it may not have had the stakes, but for the action, I'm telling you, it was top five. And the UFC is making the right move now, saying they have stepped away from the Donald Cerrone-Joe Lozon matchup after it getting canceled for a third time. Yeah, that's a fact, Mike. It's unfortunate. I, I think Cerrone, um, he wanted the fight. Unfortunately, didn't happen uh, again. So let's see where they move forward and if Cerrone does fight again. I think he wants to. I just don't know who you put him up against. Oh, thank you for the question. He's going to fight at UFC 276. Breaking news, Bobby Green is out, and Jim Miller versus Donald Cerrone will be on the main car. We're talking about two of the three winningest and most appeared fighters in the Octagon. Also big news from UFC 276, Mike. The early, early prelims, usually that's just on Fight Pass, 
Those are going to be live on ESPN. And your middle prelims leading to the pay-per-view going live on primetime on ABC. And you asked me last week who the future star is, and we'll know by what they do. Live on ABC Saturday night, Sugar Sean O'Malley in primetime leading to the pay-per-view. I told you he was the future. Well, the future, but, you know, everybody wants to be the next Connor. I mean, here's the thing. You can't – Barnum and Bailey was Barnum and Bailey, right? There's circuses all over. Conor McGregor's Conor McGregor. You can't emulate what he does. You can't emulate Floyd. Gervonta Davis is not Floyd. Floyd was not Leonard. And they're trying to make this guy by putting him on primetime TV, the next Conor. The thing is, Micah, there's only one Manny Pacquiao. There's only one Manny. There's been guys like Nonito Donaire. There's there's other guys. They're not Manny. So I get it. They're putting every effort to bring us back. What actually what what Connor did was take over the sport. He did, and 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 that's what they're looking for again, Micah, because they don't have that star in the stable who can razzle and dazzle. He's not the same guy as Connor. They're not trying to make the same Connor. That's like saying because Muhammad Ali was the most was the most famous boxer in the world at one time that Mike Tyson couldn't be Mike Tyson. Different guys, different eras. The McGregor era is over, and they're issuing in their era of putting over O'Malley. He has a different style, a different flair. Maybe he's a little brash. Maybe he talks a little trash to his opponents, but that doesn't mean that he's Conor McGregor. Shout out to Conor if you're listening. If you see him next week, Micah, give him my best. Oh, my I will definitely give him your best, and I will ask him for a special sign bottle of Proper 12 just for you. And I know for you today, your eyes are going to be stuck on zone because it is a boxing hardcore fan's delight for title fights and all. And I need you to actually tell us how big of an upset it would be for Jesse Rodriguez to beat Rung Savai. I know he comes in as the champion, but he's much less experienced. Rung Savai, Micah, is probably one of the best little little men in the entire country, man. Here's a guy that if you haven't seen him, it, it blows my mind because I go back to the 90s when Danny and Johnny were winning belts at 112, 115, 118. <clears throat> and you look at these guys, Micah, how fast are they? They're fast. How quick are they? And then... They throw punches and bunches. You know, it's, it's, of Rung Savai loses today, it will be a gigantic upset. Such gigantic. a reach for that weight class. You bring up 112, 115. Shout out to Matt Griego, Abraham Pettis. We got the young stallions coming up in the state from those lighter weight classes. It's the division that the locals should be paying attention to. I think that Michael Venom Page is going to do spectacular in bare knuckle boxing, Mike. Well, uh, spectacular is a big word, and bare knuckles is uh, a tough sport. You know, they were talking the other day, Micah. Is hockey and football the toughest sports? I'm going to say bare knuckles fighting is probably the toughest sport. Would you put? You know, you could put up there. Listen, you could put up there bull riding, bull fighting, uh, hockey and football for sure. But I'm going to put it in there, wrestling for sure. But I'm going to put in there, bare knuckles may be the toughest sport of them all. It may be the roughest. And why? You may look at me crazy. Why is this mixed martial artist going to do spectacular in bare knuckle? Because he came from point 
karate fighting. That's where you get touched once, you lose the point. This is a man ultra equipped to adapt to small weapons flying at him. He's already done that. That's talking about the hands with no gloves, small weapons. Mike's looking at me like I'm talking about a 38 special or something. What do you mean, small caliber fire? Well, here's the thing, Micah. Bare Knuckles, for those of you keeping score at home, is coming to New Mexico. It will be at the Santa Ana Star Center, and we'll find out the card as it uh, comes to fruition. But I'm telling you this, Micah, somebody asked me the other day, the toughest sport. I said, I I don't know. I don't know if it's bull riding. I don't know if it's bullfighting. I think hockey and football for sure are dangerous. But bare knuckles, now you're just fighting with your fists. Bare knuckle is the roughest, I think, at the point of competition training though you cannot train bare knuckle doing bare knuckle you got to train like a boxer you got a shadow box because you would not survive bare knuckle training as a bare knuckle boxer but if you look at mma it's still one of those things where you got to train six different disciplines and still come to a great facility like the one we're at to get in your strength and conditioning so i feel like mma may just be the most tiring where bare knuckle is rough like you said, hockey, blocking the pucks. Wow, what the Lightning have done. Physically getting beat up. It's been rough and tough. And let me say this, Micah. Don't forget, for you hockey purists, in the 50s, Micah, they didn't wear a mask. They were hitting that puck as fast as they can with no mask on. Think about that. Now, that's dangerous. That that could that could be like bare knuckles. A puck to your teeth That's playing probably some, not good. That's playing some real defense but getting cooked by Stephen Curry definitely discredits the defensive player of the year award for Marcus Smart well I'll tell you what we're right here at Grady's Performance Center eight Grady's the home today for the elite 150 football combine some of New Mexico's finest high school athletes are being tested to see how they compare to others throughout the country visit eightgradys.com and Michael Marcus Smart to me should have been drafted by the Lakers. Listen, I'm going to tell you because people forget. Lakers had the sixth pick. They took Julius Randle. The Celtics had the seventh pick. They took Marcus Smart. If they had have taken Marcus Smart at that particular time, we're not into this situation. We're way better with Marcus Smart as a Laker. Mike, one day, and here shortly, I will find you the whole history written of how the Kings have been one pick off five times in their franchise history. One pick off from a superstar. We're not, and yes, we are counting your boy Luca. Well, I'll tell you this with the Sacramento Kings, when you think of Chris Weber, Divac, Petra, Bibby, that, I, I honestly thought they'd win one, Micah. I really did, but the Lakers got him. Horry hits the jumper. And takes them to the next level. The Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun feel like they're on a collision course for the WNBA Finals right now, being led by Aja Wilson and Jaquel Jones, respectively. Yeah, I think it's a great matchup. Becky Hammond, let's see if she gets a title in the WNBA, right? But the Aces have been good the last four or five years. Spectacular this year, though. I thought the Liz Cambage move to the Sparks would have much more impact, and unfortunately, it's actually just improved the Aces. I'll tell you what, Micah, I'm excited. There's a lot of hoops, but you know what I'm most excited about? Being outside, looking at the East Mountain at this incredible facility, and, Micah, when you walk in here, it's like the elite of the elite. 
the elite. The elite 150 is going to be decided today. So you know that means there's many more athletes down there competing, wanting to see where they rank. It's going to be an exciting day here. Well, I'm excited to be talking to Scott Grady. He's going to be my guest, Micah. That's fact or fiction. I always appreciate you. Next week here in Vegas, right? Next week in Vegas, a lot of content coming out. Keep your eyes peeled to the team social media, to cagedminds.com, to my YouTube channel. We're going to have content everywhere, all kinds of stuff going on in Vegas. And I saw some of the guests that are potential. I know we don't know who you're going to talk to, but the potential list. Give a shout-out to my main man, Chuck Liddell, if you catch him. Chuck Liddell, Dan Severin, Mark Coleman, Don Fry, UFC bringing out some of the old school legends. That's what has me getting, not to mention all the champions, a lot of the media members, and some upcoming prospects, a lot coming up next week. You're listening to Mike Adams 2.0. Today I'm live from 8 Grady's Performance Center, the home today for the Elite 150 Football Combine. Let's get back to Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team, presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Good morning, sports fans. Welcome back, ESPN Radio 101.7, the team, the show's Mike Adams 2.0. I'm telling you, it feels good to be outside today. I'm here at Grady's Performance Center, the home today for the Elite 150 Football Combine. Eight Grady's is an incredible facility. Some of New Mexico's finest high school athletes are being tested to see how they compare to others throughout the country. Visit 8Grady's.com. And I'll, I'll tell you what, you look at a facility like this, and then you wonder to yourself, hey, when you go to college, and the ultimate goal for a lot of athletes is to get to the National Football League. Well, you got to understand what does it take to get to the league, and what must you train for? This is the kind of event that at least gives you the insight and what you need to know and what you need to do in order to get to the collegiate level, and then from the collegiate level get to the National Football League, the Canadian Football League, or any other leagues, the XFL, that you want to play in. But I'm going to tell you what, if when I played, if I had a facility like this, I would have never left. I'd have been here every day. Because you can work out here with the best of the best. And that's what makes it good. I want to shout out to the pit bull, Josh Torres. Diamond boy, Matt Griego. Big wins last week. Congratulations to both of you. And I know on the horizon, Abraham Pettis is going to be fighting in August. And it's good to have the local boxers back in action. And it was good to see how people were excited about the local action. So it's good to know. And these guys winning again. And a lot more coming up in the near future. Also, funny enough, um, with the NBA draft, right? People are always wondering... How the picks come in, like the Knicks trade, you know, the Magic get another number one pick, and the Lakers don't get a pick till like, later on. It's because of all the moves that are made. And I think someone needs to do a 30 for 30 on how one team consistently gets picks and how others can't. And that's all right. I'm just wondering how that takes place, right? Because it seems, yeah, you can tell me the trades, you can tell me everything. Um, but I'm a little perplexed sometimes on how it takes place. How about Freeman last night getting his World Series ring? You know, the Braves, an incredible run. I was so happy. My daughter's the biggest Dodgers fan, Dodgers-Braves. 
She went to the World Series game in Atlanta. Incredible. And then Freeman gets his ring last night. What a class act. What a class act in Atlanta uh, for Freeman uh, to get his World Series ring and then get that, that, that ovation, even though he's wearing that Dodger blue. That's what baseball is about. The Yankees look incredible. This may be the best Yankees team since Teixeira, Cano, Rodriguez, and Jeter. And for you Yankee fan, which I haven't seen you in quite some time, I know Jay-Z made the Yankee hat more famous than a Yankee can, but at the end of the day, I haven't seen those New York hats here in Albuquerque in a long time. I see a lot of L.A. Dodger hats. I don't see any New York Yankee hats. It's It's funny, though. Because in the next week or two, I'll probably see more Yankee hats than I've ever seen in my life. What do you call that? You call that a fan? Fair weathered? Or do you call that a fan from the heart? See, people forget this. The last time the Raiders won a Super Bowl was in the 80s. Marcus Allen, Jim Plunkett got it twice. I still wear my Raiders hat. Oh, they're going to go 10 and 6 again, 8 and 8. I still wear it. Yankee fan, sometimes I don't see you wear your hat until you're winning. Giant fan and everybody else as well. We're live at 8 Grady's Performance Center, and I'll tell you what, you got a lot of coaches on the field right now. They're going to be running drills. And this Performance Center, I'm glad I came out here today. I think if we can do more shows out here live, it would be fantastic. And I'm excited for our next guest. Our next guest is an incredible entrepreneur, an incredible athlete himself, and I still remember his high school days because that's the last time West Mesa, I believe, played for a championship in football. Scott Grady, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Glad you're out there uh, today. I'll tell you what, Scott, what a beautiful facility. And I'm looking on the field as we speak. What an opportunity for these kids to kind of get a better idea of what it takes to play at that next level, Scott. Well, you know that's probably that's that's part of our mo and our culture there at Eight Grady's Performance Center. We uh, we want to create opportunities for these young kids to not only compete uh, with each other on uh, on a nice uh, at a nice facility, but also having the opportunity for uh, other people to see them and their skill set. So uh, we're really happy about the facility. We've worked really hard there to create a, a nice environment for our our young athletes. Scott Grady's my guest, Mike Adams 2.0, ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. Your passion for sports, Scott, where did it begin? Because you just didn't play football. You played all the sports. Now, collegiately, you played football. But where did the passion begin for you? You know, I, I that's, a, that's an interesting question. When I was a young, young, young boy, uh, my father uh, was a football player. He played a little bit at the University of Oregon uh, and uh he got me into uh, to football and, and punting and working on things, and I and I competed in punt, pass, and kick, kick. But as a little boy, I had a bucket of footballs, and we grew up in Corrales, and I would spend half my time just kicking and throwing footballs around our three acres uh, until I just couldn't move anymore. And, and we're we're. We're going to bring back Scott Grady here in a minute. Sal back in the studio does a great job for Scott Galletti to my left. Always good talking to Scott Galletti. We were talking earlier about when he covered Fresno and was at the Riddick Bow fight, and I always thought that was impressive. And 
And Scott, covered Long Beach, actually, but covered Fresno, too. Well, Long, They were in the Big West once upon a time. Long Beach State, but your resume speaks very highly, Scott. You've, you've probably announced how many games? 10,000? I don't know about 10, but thousands. Thousands, at least. Let's get back to Scott Grady. Scott, you were telling us about the passion of when sports began for you. Well, I was at a young, young age, and uh, my dad, uh, as I said, played football, and, and uh, he got me into to uh, throwing the football around and just anything with that bounced or I could throw, I just seemed to gravitate to uh, from football to basketball to a little bit of baseball. I threw the javelin. Um, I just loved competing and loved challenging myself as a young kid. And it evolved into, uh, you know, being able to play Division One football. Scott Grady's my guest. You know, I always ask every athlete, Scott, and you're a very successful entrepreneur. Did, what did sports do, right, to create that business environment for you, that competitiveness? Was it learning how to win and lose? Was it playing as a team? Like, what did sports do to make you such a successful entrepreneur? Well, I appreciate the compliment, um, and there's no doubt about it that our successes in business and in life in general uh, was directly related to the to, the, to playing the, uh, a sport. But even more so, some of the uh, the coachings uh, that I had, the coaches I had in high school and and even as in elementary school in, in Yaffle and, and, and in college, uh, I just was always very fortunate to have a, to be surrounded by a bunch of good men, um, and and that's kind of been my mo when I started coaching at uh, Cibola High School years ago. Um, is that uh, uh, you know the, the the winning part will take care of itself. We want to surround ourselves with good kids, and, and, and if we have a, a, a passion about getting kids uh, 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 and, and teaching them life skills, sometimes the scoreboard and the, their successes on the field will take care of themselves. Um, so that's our that's our that's our mission too. Is we want to we want to not only teach kids how to play their sport better, but just be better people. And uh, it, there's no doubt about it. It was a it was a great great uh, advantage for me come into the business world just understanding the ups and downs of athletics the ups and downs of winning and losing um the trials and tribulations of having to 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 think you quite can't finish something but you can and um i could go on and on about how important sports is to just people in general scott grady's my guest well said scott uh you know i i look back at the university of new mexico i know you played at western new mexico too uh, what was it like taking the field there at University of New Mexico, knowing you had grown up in Albuquerque, and now you're playing for your hometown Lobos? Well, kind of an interesting story. I was recruited by, by uh, UNM early on, and then I got a season-ending injury, injury um, the second to the last game in high school. I had a class 5 separation in my throwing arm. So they kind of dropped the recruiting on me. I rehabbed, and I got picked up by Western New Mexico, and then uh, we had a coaching change, and I just felt it was time for a change since I came to UNM. I have to tell you, coming from a small school of Western New Mexico, which I'm a big advocate of, of our small state schools, great experience. Coming to UNM was like, uh, um, it was like, uh, night and day. Um, the football was the same, but, uh, your, your demands on performing as a Division One athlete was, uh, was quite different, but I enjoyed it. And again, another learning experience is a different level of expectations. And, you got to do your job, or there's a guy right behind you to take it. So uh, it was a good experience for me. Growing up, Scott, 
like you're playing in the backyard, you said, you, you know, who are those athletes that you looked up to at the time? You know how we emulate our sports heroes. Who are you emulating at that time when you're just in the backyard kicking the ball or throwing the ball? Scott, you with us? We're getting Scott Grady back on the air. I, I kind of, yeah, Scott. Let me ask you this question. You know, when we were kids, we'd always emulate who we wanted to be. You know, if I was throwing a football, I thought I was Jim Plunkett. If I was shooting a basketball, I thought I was Larry Bird or Pete Maravich. Who were those guys for you growing up that you emulated? That's all right. We're, you know what? This is a nice day out here. Yeah, Scott, you with us? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm having a bad connection problem up here in Colorado, but uh, let's try this again. No I apologize. Yeah, you know, the question was, like, who are those athletes that you emulated growing up? Like, for me, if I shot a basketball, I thought I was Pete Maravich or, or Bird. If I threw a football, I thought I was Jim Plunkett. Who are those athletes you are emulating when you were coming up and playing? Well, uh, uh of course, later on it was Roger Staubach, but early on Don Meredith with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Um, yeah. Bob Hayes with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. You know, that time the fastest, the fastest. No, that's all right. And, and, and this is, this is, I'm out here at 8 Grady's Performance Center. I'm looking at the football field right now. It's incredible. And I, I tell you, I feel like working out today for some reason michael franco a little bit harder and more than what i've done in the past but how cool is this i didn't know the turf got you that excited i thought you only got that excited when you saw the tennis court i mean the tennis court or the boxing ring i know those got you going we got your saddle boxing right here again this is phenomenal overseeing the drills that they're having these guys go through, the elite-level athletes, how they're pushing themselves, it's something else. Yeah, and here's the thing, Micah. This is how you get better. This is how you get better at your craft. All right, fantastic. I'm ready to get back to Scott Grady. Scott, you were telling me about Don Meredith and Bob Hayes, those guys you emulated when you came up. Yeah, they were just great athletes. I just, I, I grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, early on. And then even watching the Lobos early on, uh, uh, Stone that came out of Highland. And uh, uh, some of the basketball players, uh, Petey Gibson and, and uh, Ron Smith and just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things that, that kind of influence you early on about who you want to be like or I want to, I want to work hard like that guy. So uh, a lot of, a lot of great influences, not only locally, but from around the country. How about how about Ray Guy? Did you ever look up to Ray Guy, the punter? That's all right. Yeah, we're just having some some phone difficulties. That happens in radio. That happens. But what a great interview with Scott Grady. Played at the University of New Mexico, Michael. And I'll tell you this: when he played at West Mesa, the football team was one victory away from being the state champions. He's been there. He's done that. He knows what it's like to be under the pressure, to be tested like these guys are being tested, to be scouted, to know what it is like to have to perform, to get in there. And I believe back then that was the Mountain West Conference, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, I see Jerome Espinosa. He's going to be coming up next over here. The guy could shoot the basketball, too. I know he plays golf, 
And, and, but I know the guy could shoot hoop as well. You know, if I go with him on a golf course, it's not going to look good on my side, on my side, but at least I can get some tips. But from a hoop perspective, the guy could hoop as well, Micah. Well, you're bringing up the golf course, and I didn't get to it on Fact or Fiction, but you're bringing it up, and I feel like Rory McIlroy, overall, is taking his game to that next level we've seen these last three weeks. Yeah, and there's a lot of distractions in golf, right? A lot of guys going over to the LIV, a lot of guys not knowing what they're going to do and play next. Has Rory McIlroy been impressive? Yes. Um, you know, I want to put this out there because I see Jerome. I lost about 30 balls the other day at Paco Ridge, and I haven't been able to find them. And I'm wondering if you, if anybody goes out there and finds mine, bring them back to me. Just bring them back to me. But I must have lost a couple of boxes of balls the other day. Not that I was frustrated. Are we talking about the titaniums here? Do we have the special Mike Adams insignia on them? What kind of balls are we looking for, Mike? Well, I told, and for those of you who do play, Paco is one of the most beautiful places to play golf at anywhere in the country. It's always a tough course for me, but I love playing it and I love the views. I'm looking at the East Mountain right now. I'm looking at a lot of kids who can only get better. By coming to this performance center, eight Grady's performance center, uh, you can only get better. I can't imagine when I played to come here and someone's telling me what I need to do to even be better than that. And that's what this is about, Micah. Hey, now that you mentioned it, staring off into the mountains, looking, it's a nice, cool, beautiful day. This looks like the perfect day, whether it's the tennis court, whether it's the basketball court, the golf course. Getting just out for a nice walk in the park. I know you love your days out. I feel like this is a beautiful summer day out. Yeah, this is a great. It's a little overcast. It's not so hot. It's been hot all week. I think this is the type of weather that I could go for 12, 15 points on anybody who's trying to guard me. And earlier, you know, we talked about you hoop it up champions. You know, go to the Instagram, Mike Adams 2.0. Tell me what year you want hoop it up because Micah brought up the three on three and, uh, that made me laugh. Micah, everybody's asking me about my top 100 list. I left off at 58 with Rod Stewart. I'm not going to give any more bands today. Three people came up to me and said, how can you put them at 58? It's simple. It's simple. That's why. Micah, what a, what a day. Scott Galetti sitting next to me. Scott, I know you're on. Tell me that biggest moment for you, Scott Galetti. When it came to broadcasting, what's been that one moment for you where you said to yourself, I think I've, I've made it? Well, I don't know about whether I made it, but probably the biggest moment, arguably, even though I did a number one and number two matchup in college football on 500 stations, was Long Beach State going to Fog Allen Fieldhouse and beating the number one team in the country, Kansas. Bill Self coaching at the time? Uh, it was Roy Williams, actually. Roy Williams. Roy coach. Williams and uh, and uh, Seth Greenberg was the head coach of Long Beach. Yeah, that would be impressive. Fog Allen may be the most historic facility when you think Not of- as loud as a pit. I'm going to tell you that right now. Not as loud as a pit. From a historical piece, Scott, and I'm glad you brought this up. Historical piece, you walk into that place and history is all over it. Dr. Naismith, Springfield, Massachusetts, head coach at one point in time at Kansas. Naismith taught Fogg. Fogg taught Dean. Wilt played there. The history of Kansas, man, it's not just Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz for sure. I'm going to tell you why I say that, Mike. 
going in there, and remember, Long Beach State was a 15-point underdog and won the game by 15, major upset. They were up by 23, played Olay defense down the stretch, missed six front ends of one-on-ones, and it was a 15-point game. But to the point, we were their money game. Well, I've been here at the University of New Mexico where we were bringing in the money teams, uh, i.e., like the Western New Mexicos, the Northern New Mexicos, the you know, whoever, Longwood, uh, you know, all those teams. And guess what? The fans may not have been happy that those teams were on the floor, but guess what? Those fans were in every bit of that game where the Kansas fans weren't in the game I was at in broadcast until their team was down by about 15 points. Best collegiate player you ever broadcasted? Basketball. Oh, man, that's a tough one because, um, I mean, I did the Lobos when Kawhi Leonard was in the league. I mean, I was always impressed with Drew Gordon. I thought he was an NBA guy. For sure. Um, you know, uh, well, Long Beach, Brian Russell, um, you know, who people used to ask me because they also had Lucius Harris. Both played in the NBA. Lucius Harris was a skinny guy and got bulked up when he was in the NBA. Um, and long story short, Brian Russell was a defensive beast, a rebounding beast. He kind of took after Dennis Rodman, the way he got rebounds and played defense. And guess what? What people remember Brian Russell for the most, not the fact that he won a defensive uh, player of the year award, but the fact he was the guy that fell down when Michael Jordan made the shot. Against the Utah Jazz. Scott, always a pleasure to talk to you. Micah Factor Fiction was phenomenal today. Scott Grady, I want to thank you for being our guest to Joe O'Neill, the president, stay tuned. Jerome Espinosa's coming up. Uh, always good to see Jerome. Scott, I appreciate you. Sal, back at the studio, uh, you're the best. For Alyssa Ryan, Preston, John, Michael, my name's Mike Adams. It's Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. Thanks for joining us for Mike Adams 2.0, presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Join us again next Saturday, 9 to 10, on your New Mexico-owned and operated station.